you have your Bibles, please, I'd invite you to take them and turn with me to Galatians, our series, Forever Free. Galatians chapter 5, our text will be found in verses 16 through 21. Let me just welcome each and every one of you here uh, together. It says in God's word that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That means that, that you and I are to make every effort possible to get together on appointed times, on appointed days such as this, to focus entirely on the Lord and also to have our hearts ready to prepare to hear what God's Word has to say to each one of us today. God has blessed us with a beautiful, beautiful day. Let me briefly, before I begin, just bring you up to, up to date on our Vision 2020. Um, as you are well aware, our feasibility study was recently conducted, and it has been completed. I want to personally just thank each and every one of you who are willing to participate in that. Uh, there will be a, a formal re- reply response, um, an update report, I guess I could use the term, um, in the near future. But at this point, I just want to let you know that um, it was tremendously profitable in listening to the hearts um, and, and to, to really wait upon the Lord for our future direction. I want to report as well, the elders have met this week and prayed, and we are um, anxious to, to continue to pursue uh, the direction that God has placed for us. We are trusting Him to give us wisdom as we move forward. But I just want to bring you up to date that the feasibility Report has been completed and that we continue to move forward, taking steps of faith, trusting the Lord in tremendous sense of anticipation and excitement for what God has for us as we continually just promote the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and present the gospel um, as loudly and as clearly as we can um, as a local body. So bring you up to speed on that. Would you bow your heads, please, before we get into our text and pray with me and ask God's blessing Uh, on our time together. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, our hearts are are full with excitement for this Guatemala team that you have put together. We ask, Lord, that you would just use them in, in amazing ways, that we would be mindful of them regularly. Father, we thank you as well for this time that you have appointed, that you have arranged and ordained for us to be here together to Hear your word. There there is a challenging, sharp text before us. And God, I would ask that you would give to to me and and my mind clarity of thought and and speech that that I would be able to present very clearly what you have given to us, given to all of us to learn this morning. Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you, Lord, that we are approaching 30 years of faithfulness, grounded and founded upon the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to understand the responsibility that we have and and to pray, Lord, that you'll bless if you tarry for the next 30 years, that we would be faithful, that we would be faithful. I pray for our community, for many that are lost. I pray, Lord, that we would 
find and seek opportunity, we'd be sensitive to your leading to speak into the lives of those around us. Now, Lord, let's together hear your spirit. May we, Lord, be ready to momentarily leave this room knowing that we we are called to live uniquely, to live differently in this world as followers of Christ. Give us the means and the strength, the ability to do that. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. Our text today, we arrive on the heels of another passage, just taking you back last week briefly, by way of review of a passage that describes people who are suffering from sin. It actually, there's this graphic term, and you'll probably remember it from last week, we end it with the fact that there are actually brothers and sisters in Christ that were biting and devouring one another, figuratively speaking. The great old southern preacher, J. Vernon McGee, called it Christian cannibalism. Just horrid and ugly. It talked about the fact that within the same church, people were criticizing, were critical, were cutting on, were condemning one another over over who's more righteous, who's more spiritual than the next. Just a sad, horrible picture. That's why the emphasis was placed last week on how do we... How do we speak into that? And it was clearly, what, through love, serve one another. It said, love your neighbor. We understand by focusing on God's love that he has for us and dispensing that love to others prevents us from the two extremes. The extreme of liberty or license, do whatever you want. God's grace will cover it, right? He'll forgive. That's, that's wrong. That's, that's an extreme. To the opposite extreme that says what? The extreme of legalism. Telling everyone you must act exactly as I do or else you're not as righteous. You're not as right. That's wrong. Either one of those extremes will bring friction in the body of Christ. I was talking to a dear friend of mine. He passes a church out of state, not locally. Very, very discouraged because he had a small a small group of people. He said, I only have ten families in my church. I wanted to encourage him. And I said, hey, ten families. I am totally convinced ten families on fire for God in one community can make a huge impact. He said, not when five of the families attend the morning worship service and five of the families attend the evening worship service. That's a sad picture, sadly. That we've been known as what? Christians who shoot are wounded. That's a horrible picture. Today we look at a portion of scripture that we say, well, what is the solution to that? What are we to do? How do we prevent ourselves from, from getting to this place? How are we to live? How are we to behave in such a way that the old nature, that the flesh, that the sin nature does not take control? So as we read this text, I want to just preface it with this brief comment. There is potential in these next few verses. I tell you with great sincerity, for there to be great pain in this text. Because it is what? It is one or the other. There is no middle ground here. There is no middle ground when we talk about the work of the flesh 
or the walk of the Spirit. So please understand that as I read this, as I speak on this text, I do not speak on my authority. But I speak on the authority of God's Word. Follow along as I read Galatians chapter 5. We pick it up in verse 16 down through verse 21. Excuse me. Paul is writing churches in Galatia that are struggling. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There is weighty words before us. This verse begins by stating the great principle, the great principle of Christian living. It says this, walk by the Spirit. You perhaps have a translation in front of you that says walk in the Spirit. Literally, if you were to transliterate it, it says walk by means of the Spirit. Now, please understand that this is an imperative. This is a command. And with all commands, you immediately have a choice. You have the choice either to obey the command or to disobey the command. Now, please understand that every single believer, every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to scriptures, has both the presence and the power of what the indwelling or the filling of the spirit of God. Romans 8 and Galatians 4 speak of this. Therefore, we have the necessary ingredients in order to live in such a way that does please God, that that allows us to live in such a way that we can be obedient to this command. You need to know this Greek form of the word walk, peripetios, indicates a continuous action. This word walk actually implies a lifestyle. It implies progress. As a believer, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ submits or surrenders to the authority of the Holy Spirit working in your life, you actually have the ability to walk properly. And the question, obviously, needs to be presented is, why is it that so many people choose not to do this? Why, why is it at times that I am tempted, after all these years as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I struggle with doing it? 
I don't, I don't have a problem with taking a walk. Any one of us, we would say, well, we all enjoy a walk. I want you to think of it like this. The, the, the idea, the concept of what, of just continually walking, just, just always walking, I have to be honest, it kind of bores me to think of that. Just walk in the Spirit. It almost, it almost sounds, what, mundane, monotonous. Just go walk in the Spirit. It's so ordinary, so mundane, so vertical, so vanilla. Why doesn't it say run in the Spirit or fly in the Spirit? Why doesn't it say skydive in the Spirit? Take off your shoes and socks, sit in a circle, and hum in the Spirit. Why doesn't it say that? Take a Spirit-controlled drive in your Jeep. Stop, drop, and roll in the Spirit. And we'd think that would really be exciting. Anything would be more exciting than walk. Walk. Why must we walk? Because walking indicates continuous action. Walking implies progress. Walking implies what? Forward motion. Walking actually implies that we are getting somewhere. It may be slow, but we are getting somewhere. When I think about slow progress, I think of a time, true story, a number of years ago. I was probably 16, my brother would have been 19, and we were driving from Halifax, Nova Scotia to Washington, D.C. I was going to assist him driving to college and then fly home. We were driving in his car, a 1967 Chevelle Malibu. It had three in the tree for all you car people out there. We actually had named the car Jeremiah. And we were driving, and we got to Hackensack, New Jersey. It was January. It was after uh, Christmas break. Ever been to Hackensack, New Jersey? Forgive me. Jeremiah let us down, believe it or not. We broke down the side of the roads, freezing colds. It was kind of a, a wet rain. It was gray. And so we didn't know really where we were, but we know that we had passed a a number of miles back in exit or or something on the side of the road that we thought was a gas station. And so we began to walk back. We didn't really know how long it was. We just knew that at some point back there we saw it. Well, this is our first time ever of hitchhiking. Ever hitchhiked? I don't recommend anyone hitchhiking. So this is the first time, and we were, I saw it on a movie or something, and you hold your thumb out, and I remember that cool hitchhikers always walk backwards. I don't understand really why that is. I tried to do that, but you, you were like, inevitably, you kind of like fade into the traffic. That's a very dangerous thing to do. But we really had a hard time. I remember Scott and I, we were talking back and forth, and, 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 we both didn't want to put both of our thumbs out because that would look really desperate and really needy. So we decided that one person would do it and then the next person would do it. So one car, he put his thumb out, the next car, I would. 
But there were too many cars because we're constantly they're going back. And so he's switching and then I'm switching. It's totally not going well. And then it's the whole rejection thing. Like we're we're really we're really in need here. And they just don't care. They just drove right by us. They just don't even care for us. We're par- our parents are missionaries in Nova Scotia and we're cold and we're lost and our car broke down and no one cared. And I remember that. I remember the whole hitchhiking thing didn't really work out real well. And before we realized it, after our, our, our dangerous falling into traffic and arguing on the side, it was hardly any period of time and we had walked over seven miles, we found out, to get back to the, the gas station. I thought about that. I, I was like, just by continuing to stay with, who goes out? And you go for a walk around the block, but you don't walk seven miles. But I thought about it. By continuing to walk, you what? You actually cover ground. You actually get somewhere. By continuing to walk, you move forward. Paul chooses to use this word the Holy Spirit has given to him because it indicates careful and continuous progress. Do you realize this, that God, creator and sustainer of the entire universe, is concerned about your progress? God is concerned about your maturity, about your spiritual growth. God is concerned whether or not you're moving frontwards, forward, or not. That's why the Holy Spirit gave Paul this word. Walk. And what? What is the result of walking? You shall not gratify. Now the translation, you will not fulfill the desires of, of the flesh. Well, Paul uses this term flesh. It is in reference to what our, our, our flesh, literally our humanness, our physical bodies. Our flesh is referred to very clearly throughout Scripture as our sinful human nature. It includes our, our mind, our body. It includes, includes our soul. Now, first and foremost, know that our flesh is what our flesh is, flesh is, is natural. And the spirit is supernatural. They are different. The word of God promises, walk by the spirit. You shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. God is not saying that Christians will escape the need to struggle against sin. You and I will struggle against sin. But what God is saying is what? It is the work of the Holy Spirit which makes victory in this struggle possible. It's actually the work of the Holy Spirit that allows us to be successful. It continues on in verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other. As we examine, as we listen to this verse... Hear me, it speaks about what? It talks about the fact that there is struggle in life. Struggle is inevitable. There will always be a battle that exists in your life between the flesh and between the spirit. It is inevitable. However, the solution to this struggle... It's not just in, in, in the battle of trying to do the Lord's will. The struggle is something deep within. And so it talks about the fact that 
has to include a choice, but if you are led, in verse 18, by the Spirit, if, if, conditional, you are led by the Spirit. Literally, it translates, if you are willingly led. We have to want this. Can you and I come to a place in our life, mark the time and the dates, that we say, yes, I can be willingly led. Can we come to a place in our lives where we can willingly submit and surrender to the complete authority of the Spirit of God? This is not only a challenge, but I believe it needs to be presented as a question of, can you actually do this? Will you allow for this to take place? The delight is, is that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do it. And when we are obedient, it happens to produce something in our lives that's not drudgery. That's not, this is horrible being a, a Christian. I have to walk every single day. Follow. No. It actually what? And we'll talk about this later on. That, that joy can be produced. The psalmist echoes this. Psalm chapter 40 and verse 8. I delight to do thy will. Think about that. Every day I suppose, yeah, I gotta walk as a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, I delight in this. I delight to do thy will, the psalmist says, Oh my God, yea, thy thy laws are within my heart. But it really comes to the fact that there's a choice here. You and I have got to want to pursue this. Romans eight says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, must be a conscious decision on your part that allows the Word of God to take root so that you are what? Producing what the Spirit of God desires. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. We'll speak about this later on. But you've got to want to have victory. You've actually got to desire this. It has to be a place in your mind. You come to that decision. I was in Pastor Nick's office this week. I appreciate the quote that he had, a, had on his wall from the old Puritan, John Owen. It says this, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. There's such truth to that. Every day there needs to be an acknowledgement that I surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I surrender to the authority, the Word of God. And I will be killing sin, not in, in and of myself, but through the Word of God. Then Paul specifically lists some of the ugly things. Some of the ugly things in our lives that need to be addressed. Some of the ugliness in our lives that need to be changed. Uh, they are called in verses 19, 20, and 21, the works of the flesh. There are several lists like this throughout the New Testament. Mark chapter 7, Romans chapter 1, Colossians chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 1. There's these long lists. This one easily breaks into three categories we can look at this morning. So we have to examine them. The first one is what I call sensual sins. There's a category of the works of the flesh, and it begins with sensual sins. It says what? Sins that are described as sexual immorality. Other translations use the word adultery or and fornication. They're, they're sensual sins. Sins of impurity. 
sensuality. These are pertaining to what? Sins that you and I choose to do that pertain to a sexual nature. Sexual immorality is what? Adultery. First and foremost, it is the breaking the boundaries, the parameters that God has placed over you and your family, what? Within a marriage. Anyone steps outside of those parameters, outside those boundaries, then you have committed adultery according to what we see in Scripture. Another word that is used here is fornication. It comes from the Greek word pornea, or where we get our word in our society, the smut that, that fills Pornography. Any sexual sin prior or outside the boundaries of marriage falls into this category. So you examine your own heart right now. It continues to list sins of impurity. What is impurity? It's pretty obvious. It's in uncleanness. It is a filthiness of thought. It's a dirtiness of our speech of our language, of our actions. And there's still more here. Sins of sensuality, which is a lewdness. I want you to think of it described, I read this week, as one who is preoccupied with sexual desire, where there is constantly this, this thought that is impure, that is wrong, that is lustful. It is a wanton appetite that simply knows no shame. Now think about this, not only were these sins absolutely rampant in the Roman Empire, the days that these words were written, but this is very descriptive of our own society and culture today here in America. When it comes to sensual sins, I want to ask you the question, how do you presently guard yourself from them? How do you keep yourself from these thin sins, especially when we know that the old nature or the flesh is literally at war, raging with the spirits. How it says walk. That is a careful, that is a daily progress, surrendering to the spirit and not to the flesh. I don't know about you, but that can be very, very difficult in light of the society that we live in where literally every single direction that we, that we, we, we turn, it seems that there's something that can easily draw our attention away or tempt us towards this type of thought, behavior, or action. Consider the movies that fill many homes. Consider the constant televisions the blue glow that I call it as you drive down the road and, and inevitably you see homes where everyone, every night, spends the entire evening in front of the television. The internet, which is an amazing tool that we can use for the gospel to go globally, is used as, as a literally a, a device or a hook to draw people into the very darkness, the very sordidness and the worst that is out there. Man, I want to speak to you for a moment. God has desired, God has designed us to, to be what? Visually stimulate. We have to be careful here. I heard the statistic that says 99% of all men will struggle at some point in this area and the other 1% are lying. 
It's the way that God has designed us. We need to be careful. Yes, we need filters. Yes, we need guards. But let me tell you this very clearly. You and I, men, need human accountability to speak into our lives on a consistent basis. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I I am no different than any other man with the fact that what? Every day we have to die to ourselves. I have put up parameters constantly around me because I want to live with a single purpose of glorifying God. And it is a daily struggle. Not only are there sensual sins, but there are superstitious sins. They are listed as idolatry, sorcery. Sorcery, these are sins that pertain to witchcraft, to the occult, to things of of supernatural powers. Idolatry is putting anything before our eyes that takes the place or blocks the view of God's. I read a quote, I don't know who said it, forgive me, but it certainly was not me. Listen to this. We are to worship God, we are to love people and use things. That's what we are supposed to do. We are to worship God, love people and use things. But all too often we use people, we love self and worship things and leave God out altogether. This, this cannot be. This cannot be. We cannot be characterized as people like this. So you begin to see why idolatry and witchcraft could be listed together. Satan is the author of what? Sorcery and superstitions and anything pertaining to the occult. He would love for us to put something in front of our eyes that blocks our view, that distracts our view from God. Truth of Scripture is, is obvious here. Anything, let me emphasize that, anything that pertains to this type of activity is forbidden, according to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Parents ask me all the time, several parents have asked me, how do we handle this or how do you address this when it comes to movies and music, to to role-playing card games and, and books and sadly even cartoons? How do we handle this? I tell them, I ask them, does it have anything to do with sorcery? Does it have anything to do with wizardry? Does it have anything to do with witchcraft? Well, yes, it does. Personally, I'm not touching it. I'm not reading it. I'm not bringing it into my home. And our children never and will not bring it into our home. Sins of superstition. Third category are social sins. This clearly is the longest list. It deals simply with how we behave. How we behave in our lives toward one another. How we act and how we react towards one another. Most of these in the list really don't need an explanation. You understand clearly what they are. Enmity is hatred. Strife is, is, is connected to jealousy. It, it, it breeds that. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Things like this. I I warn you, Paul says. He says, I've warned you before. And understand the weight of this statement as this text concludes. This passage closes. Any, Any of these. Those who do such things. 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wait a minute, what is that? Will not. What is the kingdom of God? It is ultimately that place where we are with God, where God reigns over everyone and everything. It's heaven. Those who do those things will not be in heaven. Any of this, anyone who willingly participates, Kenneth, Kenneth Weiss expanded translation, says those who are in the habit of practicing things of that nature. If this is commonplace for you, it says that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That means that you will eternally, forever and ever reside, consciously exist in the torments of hell, separated from a holy God. That's, that's, what, that's what is the result of those who behave like this. Now, please don't, don't put words in my mouth to what I'm not saying. I am not saying if that you have ever become angry. I'm not, I'm not saying if you have ever been jealous. I hear this throaty roar of a black Mustang that my neighbor has, and he drives by, and there's that fleeting moment. Oh, whoa, wow. You don't pause on that. Jealousy. And you can't be, you, I will not live my life jealous of another man's possessions. If you have had an angry outburst, well, we all at one point or another, I have to be perfectly honest and confess to you. Last Monday was my day off and, and, and my neighbor has this dog that was barking for it was two solid hours. I was really, I was really being patient here. And I knew what I was preaching on. And, and there's something that happens. It just, I don't know what the dog is. It's like a little one. It's got a face like a demon. If, I don't know what a demon looks like. But it's just a little time. It's got this bark. It's a, it is a piercing bark. Two hours. I go to my neighbor's house and I knock on my neighbor's door in complete calmness. And I'm like, Lord, please control my anger. And you know what? He controlled my anger. Excuse me, sir. I'm not sure if you're aware of it or not, but your dog's been barking for two hours. Do you need some assistance? That's all it was. God controls. And I thought for a moment, it's so easy. What We could be known as an anger. I don't want that. But there are moments that it just, it just roars inside of us. So we have to understand the character is what is key. If someone is known as being an angry person, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. If someone is known as being a jealous person, a selfish person, a murderous person, a, a, a drunkard, the Holy Spirit obviously is not in control. The individual has not submitted to the authority of God in His Word. They are not walking in the spirits. Next week, delightfully, we're going to launch a series within a series. It's going to be more topical. It's called The Nine Fruits of the Spirit. And we'll we'll examine each one of these, love, joy, peace, each one of them weekly. We'll look at those because it is so key. As we begin to look, what what, what are we supposed to do? We're to walk in the Spirit. Let me give you three things very quickly in closing. I know our time is escaping. The first one is this. Search your hearts right now. Begin at this very moment. 
The Holy Spirit is, is, is powerful enough for you to be listening to a message and literally search your own heart. Examine every dark crevice and corner that exists. Search your heart to see what the Holy Spirit reveals to you. And let me tell you, you need to confess your sin. God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Secondly, after you search your heart, you are to surrender your complete self. Not some of you. It is what? It is all. I give up. I slide over to the passenger side and the Lord takes the wheel. That cheesy little country song, believe it or not, there's actually elements of truth to that. can't believe it. The driver goes left. I'm going to go left. The driver stops. I'm going to stop. We are to surrender your complete self to the authority of God's word and the power of God's spirits. Thirdly, we need to surround ourselves with good and godly people who will speak into our lives and are committed to hold us accountable every single day. We need to do that. You and I need to do that. It's going to mean daily what? Recognizing our own brokenness, our own sinfulness, our own shortcoming. It's going to mean daily we surrender. We die to self. It's going to mean daily time in prayer, you alone to the Lord, crying out. It's going to mean daily time studying and searching and meditating on the truth of the Word of God. It's going to mean daily Trusting the Spirit of God. It's going to mean daily you actually being vulnerable enough and transparent enough to open your life to other people. Let me tell you this. It's going to be a long, slow, uphill journey, but it will be well worth it. I'll close by reading to you Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? We just continue in sin, knowing that we are forgiven. Paul says what to the church at Rome? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? What, what, a, what a marvelous promise to say what? We are to die to sin and God gives us the ability to live and to walk in his spirit. What are you known for? Search your hearts. Submit, surrender, surround yourself with people that care about you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, for speaking to, to, I thank you for speaking to my life and to my heart this week. God, I would ask that you would forgive our shortcomings, that we would be quick to, to keep short accounts with one another that we have wronged. Father, most importantly, keep short accounts with you. We ask, Lord, that we would hear you speaking to our heart and that we would have the power in you and the authority of your word to change, to live in such a way that the Spirit of God is in complete control. We ask this in his name. Amen. Just stand with us, please, as we close.